All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Cart Overflow, the show for e-commerce marketing strategies and tactics shared by the best operators and brands in the market. Today, we have a really special episode with Scott Brown and Tim Swindle, who are the founders of Paddle Smash. Welcome to the show, guys. Good to be here. We should have done this in person in Austin. I would love to. I mean, because I, I was watching it, watching going through some of your TikTok feeds, and I think that's that's like the best way to show the game. But first, if we could start with just like a little quick background on who you guys are, how you met, how you came up with the idea, and how you're launching a product. Yeah, I'll start. And so I was living in Chicago. I had worked, I'd gone to join a business incubator that was basically giving an office space to entrepreneurs and saying, hey, come up with ideas. We'll fund them if we like them. We had this board like a magnetic board and we would put these goldfish shaped ideas on the wall. The whole idea here was like, if, if your idea is bad, you got to be willing to flush it down the toilet. And so we would throw all these ideas on the, on the wall. Every once in a while, something would stick and someone would say, I'm going to take that one. I'm going to pursue it. We're going to figure out a cheap way to test the idea. And one of the concepts that I kind of with us with a small team took and ran with was around a brain health store. We opened a kiosk at a mall in Chicago and then kind of fall of 2008 recession, economy crashing, but got this opportunity to open a store in downtown Chicago, like a brick and mortar store in an amazing space because the economy was crashing. It was fortuitous for us because we got this great space in this mall. We opened it kind of amazing traffic out of the gate and over the next 10 years, grew that brand, ultimately had 40 retail stores across the U.S. called Marbles the Brain Store. We were in a bunch of malls across the U.S., coast to coast, and primarily focused on educational toys and games that were brain stimulating. So that's sort of the path I took, and that kind of converges with Tim's path. Yeah. So I just, as I know real quick, I have some people decided to start doing lawn work outside of my house. So I apologize if there's some background noise as I'm talking. Hopefully yeah, it's not. So yeah. So I was a software entrepreneur building a software startup in Chicago and we had the, or I had the idea to pursue a passion project. It was a board game concept. I've been a fan of Cards Against Humanity. And I'd read an article in Inc. Magazine about how they kind of launched themselves, you know, they're just a bunch of guys right out of high school and launched Cards Against Humanity, which became, you know, one of the, the biggest, you know, selling games of, of this century, quite frankly, or this decade. And I was like, yeah, that's interesting. I was like, there's a game that I've been playing with friends up at like lake houses on weekends, late night while you're, you know, drinking a couple pops or whatever and looking for something to do. We had created this game. And I was like, I think I could take that and turn it into an actual product and kind of follow the blueprint that the Cards Against Humanity guys had laid out in this article. And so I, I did that. So again, you know, working a full-time job as a software entrepreneur, decided to pursue, pursue this as a passion project, doing a little Kickstarter just to get it out there, you know, barely got funded. I had like a very modest goal of like 15,000. I think we raised like 16 grand. So, you know, it wasn't some big hit that you see like the you know, like other folks that have, you know, launched big Kickstarters, but it was the first win and it got us out there. And um, the day that we got funded on Kickstarter, I was actually introduced to Scott through a mutual connection. And uh, he ended up being the first retailer to carry my game, Utter Nonsense. And so that was how we had initially met was through that of a, you know, early business relationship. You know, we both kind of continued on down our separate path, but became close friends during that time period. And had always talked about, you know, wanting to do something together. 
That's really cool. By the way, I think I've been there, Scott, to that store. Because as you're describing it, I spent some time in Chicago last summer. So I think I've been there, which is really cool. And now I'm in the market as a, a consumer with young kids. So I, yeah, your products are probably maybe in my house at some point. But now you guys are kind of like in the early stages of the launch. You're, you're moving up to a product launch in September for Paddle Smash, which is, I think you, you describe it as CrossNet meets Pickleball which maybe you can describe, but it seems like maybe there's even a third element of Joe who created the the product and then you guys are kind of commercializing it. But can you explain kind of like where you're at now and, and how you're thinking about this moment like a month away from launch? Yeah, so you know, quick and dirty overview of what happened in between was I sold my business off to a big Canadian company called Spinmaster. Tim sold his card game company off to a private equity backed toy and game company. And we kind of were trying to decide what to do next. And we were kind of on the lookout for concepts. In my role at this retailer, Marbles, I, I was in the seat where I was constantly evaluating products for our stores. And so over the course of 10 years, I developed a decent filter for what was good and what was bad and what had kind of viability in the marketplace. And people were constantly, even after Marbles, coming to me with their ideas and just saying, hey, help me know if this is good. And so, you know, people were, every person I meet pretty much says the same thing. They ask me what I do. I tell them I'm in toys and games. And they say either, oh, I've got a game that I've, I've been working on, or I've got a friend that's invented a game. that, And so they always want me to take a look at it, which is awesome. Like, I love looking at these, but generally... I'm being honest, generally they're bad. You know, most of the time, 99% of the time, the ideas are bad, but every once in a while, there's this gem. Well, we were introduced to this inventor, Joe. He lives actually just an hour north of me and pitched me the idea over the phone. And it's, you know, pickleball meets spike ball. And he tells me this story. Joe's the dad of seven kids. Six of them are boys. They play spike ball and Joe can no longer keep up in spike ball. It's like Joe's in his forties. He's got teenage kids. He cannot play with anymore anymore. He's got a bad back. They're diving all over the place. He's just like, all right, stop. Like you guys play on your own. I can't do it, but he wants to play with his kids. He's like, ah, pickleball. Like this is a great one. I can, I can keep up with you in pickleball, but there's no nearby, nearby court. It's $40,000 to put one in his backyard. And they go to, when they do go to a court kind of 20 minutes away, it's jam packed with people. It's like never, there's never time to play. He's like, all right, I'm an engineer. So Joe is a structural engineer. He's like, I'm going to solve this as an engineer would. And he starts gluing pieces of plastic together in his garage, taking his router to it. And he creates this prototype and he tests it with his kids. And he's like, all right, like there's something here. Over the course of two years, he was taking this to family events and refining the concept. Until finally it became the thing that I saw, which was this kind of plastic base with a net system coming up the sides. And then all players are playing with pickleball paddles in a pickleball. And much like spike ball, you're doing this sort of bump set spike with your teammate. You've got up to three hits to get it back into the, into the court. And then it's up to the other team to do the same. They've got up to three hits to get it back in. I tried it. I was like, there is something real here. Like, this is great. Granted, I love pickleball, so I'm like, I'm always on the hunt for anything related to pickleball, but I was like, there's something special here. And for it to hit my radar that way, I'm like, all right, I need a second opinion. So I called up Tim 
Tim, I'm going to let you share your perspective. Yeah. So at the time, you know, I was not really interested in pursuing something new, kind of busy with other projects, but you know, knowing Scott so well, this one piqued my interest because I know how many ideas and products he sees, you know, on a weekly or monthly basis. And for him to call me and I could hear the excitement in his voice. And I was like, okay, like there's, there's something here. So, you know, briefly looked at it, just, you know, for some videos he had, and I was like, I think this looks cool, but I need to see it in person. So immediately booked a flight, went out to Utah to go see Scott. You know, we played it in his backyard. We played it with some of his family. I had a blast, but the, the real test, you know, I would say when evaluating new products is you need like un, unadulterated or, you know, raw feedback from, you know, potential consumers that, you don't know and they don't know you because if you're asking your friends and family if you think an idea an idea is good they're generally mm. going to say yes because they don't want to hurt your feelings or insult you or whatever so what scott and i did was we took the game down to some local pickleball courts by by him in utah and we just started playing it and then it was like flies to honey or bees to honey whatever the saying mm. is people just started flocking over and they 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 were just like loving it. I mean, it was people like people left the pickleball courts to start playing this game. There was one gentleman I remember who like I was taking video because him and Scott were playing, and he was just like, "This is so fun! This is so fun!" He just kept saying that. He had he ended up leaving, and it was just like, "Okay, bye." Well, actually, first, sorry, he tried to buy that version from us. He's like, "Can I just buy oh, yeah. this from you?" We're like, sorry, this is a rough prototype, but we hope you know maybe we'll be launching this in, in the near future. And then he actually came back with his 16 year old son because he's like, "I went home and I had to like tell my son about it, and he wanted to see it." So anyway. The, that raw feedback was just like very telling to us. And both of us have seen enough products to know when we think there's a hit. And so we were like, all right, there's something here. We want to move forward. So ended up, you know, licensing it from, from Joe. And now, you know, we're going to be bringing it to market here in the next you know couple of weeks. That was, that was about a year ago when we met Joe. And, you know, so it's been a year long process of getting it ready for the marketplace you know, it was a, it was a great prototype, but it was still rough. It was like 50 pounds. There was no way to kind of carry that plus other things like, you know, the realistic gameplay for that is like, I want to be able to take this thing to the beach or take this thing easily to the park. So it took us a year to figure out how to do that. And, and now, you know, if you're showing images to anyone watching this, you can fold it in half the, the base and store all of the components inside. And it's like a, almost like a suitcase. So it carries along. And so that, that was a lot of work and a lot of kind of hiring engineering firms and working with our factory overseas to figure all of that out, make sure the bounce was right. And the net height was right and all of that. So, you know, it is a long process, even with us, we've, I've made 150 products. It still takes a long time to get things ready for market, but that's, that's where we are now kind of fast forward a year later. We're two weeks from launch and like ready to get this thing out to the world. For sure. So is it is a team now just you two? It is. Yeah, just the two of us so far. We've got some kind of contract help, but it's all, it, we're the only two members of the Paddle Smash team. Awesome. Yeah. I guess I'm in the same club, right? Trying to do big things with little resources and, and lots of constraints and, and limited bandwidth. So I, I'd love to learn more about like how you're approaching this because in some sense, Tim, like you were describing, it does require some uh, like visual or, or action in order to see like how much fun it can be and like, oh yeah, I can do that. And I think that's the kind of like 
the genesis of pickleball's success is it's so accessible for everybody. So there, there's that there's that element where maybe you you focus on a geography or even more more particular like a couple parks in the area. So there's that. I think Spike Ball has done a great job in Austin, and I don't know about near you guys, but like every park, it will always have like some some I guess nets set up, and and so there's that kind of like inherent virality but then it seems like the distribution is direct to consumer on your e-commerce site i'm not i'm not sure if you have retailers lined up but yeah how how are you evaluating the different distribution channels and this this cold start challenge of building awareness for something that nobody's ever seen before yeah Yeah. i'll I'll start and then hand it over to you we've got some great models for it you've hit on some of them you know, you look at Spikeball's success and you look at CrossNet, which is a kind of more recent success, but both of them have followed similar, similar patterns, which is, I mean, key number one is get product out into the world as quickly as you can and in, into the hands of people that are going to be playing it and showing video of it. So, you know, we're lucky. We, we know people from both of those companies, former people from some of them, very generous with their advice. And so they've helped us know kind of, hey, here's a potential model for how to do this. One that we're targeting is kind of getting the product into the hands of micro-influencers. I mean, everyone and their dog is talking about influencers now as a way to kind of market. Im- influencers, of course, know this. So prices have gone through the What we're not looking to do is hire a, an influencer with 5 million, 10 million followers and just cross our fingers and hope. We don't have the budget for it. And actually we've had experience in the past with other products where that's just fallen on its face. And so what we're really feeling here is the better approach is to look for influencers with s- smaller followers that are willing to take our product, basically kind of the exchange's product for posts. And we get the content that they create and we get to use that content in our posts and in our ads. And really, as you said, there's an inherent virality to this product. You see it played, you want to know about it. So our goal here is to get it in front of as many eyeballs as possible, as cheaply as possible, because it is visually so interesting to watch. So, you know, you do that, people are posting about it. We're posting about it, but also they're out there playing it in the world. So, you know, we've got a thousand units on the way to us. It's not very many really. And our goal with this first thousand units is just to kind of test, learn, and get it into as many hands as possible so that the snowball can start. Mm. So of those thousand, have you allocated X number to to kind of like seeding influencers and, and communities? Yes, we have. I mean, not, not like a specific number, but we know that that is going to be part of our strategy. And so, you know, I think we've like roughly said, you know, 50 to 100 is what we're willing to you know, allocate to seed the product to various influencers and, you know, just people that also that are maybe in our network that have influenced early adopters, things like that, trendsetters. So, you know, for the most part, though, we're, we're also looking at obviously social media is another, you know, platform that's easy for us to, you know, get started on. We recently launched on, you know, Instagram and YouTube and doing some TikTok stuff as well. And, you know, again, trying to think through like how us as like a scrappy you know, budget conscious startup can do that. We actually hired the inventors. So, you know, he has seven kids, six boys, two of his boys are in high school. They're very active on social media. They're also happen to be one of the, you know, two of the few people that have actually played Paddle Smash and, and know how to play it. And so we're like, 
hey, would you guys be interested in, you know, creating a bunch of content and, you know, running our social channels for us? And so, you know, we're, we're doing that right now. Just, you know, like just being scrappy. We have these high school kids, you know, running social media for us, but it's already working. I mean, we have a couple pretty cool stories of, of people that have found us through social media. We, you know, we're live with our website, even though it's on pre-order and we ended up getting an order the other day from this gentleman in Atlanta and he bought a couple of units and both of us were like, who's your buddy, Neil, that bought all these? And, you know, we were like, we don't know Neil, is the long story short there. Yeah. And so it turns out he is, you know, creating this like pickleball entertainment concept, very similar to like a chicken and pickle, which is another, you know, popular pickleball concept that's kind of in the Southwest region of the United States that's kind of exploding right now. And uh, which we're also happen to be, you know, talking to. And so that's the thing about what, what we're doing is that we are, in the tailwinds of some pretty big, you know, between pickleball, spike ball, you know, outdoor yard games is another just the category itself uh, in terms yeah. of yeah, the toy game genre. Yeah, the pandemic, exactly. <laughs> People are looking to get outside. And so, you know, we are kind of riding some of those tailwinds that are that are helping us, you know, with some of the marketing stuff as well. But yeah. And thus far, like, what are some of the biggest challenges and and I, I know there are a lot but like some of the, the the biggest challenges to getting the adoption to getting people to your site to to purchasing yeah i mean biggest challenge is always for us lead generation it's like you know we have a beautiful product we have like this amazing i mean i think it's like attractive website we have a product that looks good and people tend to want to buy when they see it but it's just how do you get people to know about it how do you get those customers in the door in the first place it's i think oh isn't it always the hardest part is just like how to <laughs> let people know so i mean that's the big challenge here and then to do it on a tight budget you know we're talking to these agencies and they're you know they're like oh this this we can do like a budget program for you guys it would only cost you guys like twenty five thousand dollars to do this for for a post and tim and i are looking at each other we're like like that that's not budget to us oh, yeah. you know budget to us is a couple couple thousand dollars like and even that it's like a little steep so it's it's an interesting thing because we both built businesses had some success we've raised capital for this business and have like a decent amount of money in the bank bank for the business but we're both really acting as if we're poor and and every decision we're making we're making as if we're kind of small and scrappy it's just kind of as a foundation we think it's the right way to go especially when we don't know for sure who our consumer is we have suspicions you know our educated guess is that there's these two communities of course that like we've got the opportunity to ride the tailwinds of we've got the spike ball community and we've got the pickleball community and our big question is well is it them and if it is is it both of them or is it someone else and so you know, you know, we look at the spike ball community and I think it tends to be yeah, it's generalization, but it tends to be kind of 20 something college kids, probably not a lot of discretionary income. And, you know, for them, a $70 spike ball set's pretty expensive. Well, our product's quite a bit more expensive than that. And so then we look at the pickleball community and, you know, I think that's just like a, a little bit more of a kind of older crowd probably have, a, have has a little bit more discretionary income. I mean, we were talking before we hit record on this and there's like people dropping 200 bucks for paddles, $245 is the like newest, most expensive paddle I've heard of. You know, they're just very comfortable doing that for just a paddle. And so we're like, all right, well, maybe it's that pickleball community or maybe it's like dad looking to bond with kid. 
like like this is dad that that can't keep up with spike ball and is looking for an opportunity to continue to play with kids so we don't know and for us it's a little bit like all right let's test as small as we can to get some data that tells us one way or the other and so we really look at this fall as a soft launch not a great time to be launching an outdoor active game to fall so we again are really targeting our marketplaces where we'll be sending these ads to just warm weather states. It allows us to do this sort of minimum viable test, warm weather states targeting a few specific groups and we'll see what resonates. And then we look at this next spring as our big launch. That's when we'll start to kind of take our learnings and spend some real dollars to, to promote and let the world know about the product. Yeah, the so I'm, I'm in Austin. I guess that, that would be like maybe a, a prime target. And, and from speaking with, brand operators for the podcast, then just, you know, like working with them, for example, like Bikeball is a pre-hook customer. So they have a quiz and in their quiz, one of their questions that they ask is, um, are you open? Are you looking for players? And so they have like a mobile app, basically like a matchmaking app, tell people find the game. And so again, that's where the inherent virality of the game is because you do need more people. And it's kind of more fun if you're competing against people that are out of your friend group, but you want to play and, and be serious. And that's where maybe community building is one of their defensible strategies where they're, they're getting people to use it, love it, and then they bring in more friends. So that was, that was kind of cool to see. And then I mentioned that I'm in Austin because there's another direct-to-consumer brand called Recess. They they sell pickleball paddles. And it's yeah. kind of interesting if you guys use like actual pickleball paddles, and that seems like the most natural partnership where it's not competitive, it's complementary, and then both audiences would would benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this community building is like a great learning from those other brands. I mean, one of the things we're trying to do is to implement from the get-go a an affiliate program where a customer of ours will immediately be served an email and signed up automatically to be an affiliate for us. They'll be given a code and they'll be able to kind of offer that code to anyone that asks them about the game and they'll obviously get a cut of that sale. And mm. so just trying to kind of uh, encourage people to talk about the product thing. People always want to tell about the product that they're playing, but I mean, to have a little bit of incentive as well to kind of close a deal on top of that is one thing that we see as a real opportunity for us because I mean, spike balls the same way. I remember in the early days, so my retail stores, we were one of the first to carry spike. We were in Chicago, they were in Chicago, we carried it. And we just got to see the growth of that. And really it was, you'd go and set up a spike ball set in the park invariably people would come up and ask you about that. They'd want to know what it was and where, where you bought it. And to just kind of, if I would have at that point had a code that I could have given people and I could have gotten a cut of that. I mean, I sent people to my stores, but if I could have had a cut of that, mm -hmm. like it would have been awesome. And so we, we see that as an opportunity for us to help incentivize people to spread the word. Yeah. And now there, you know, for e-commerce, brands, there are solutions. I, I believe it's Carol, C-A-R-R-O, kind of like in the post-purchase, they almost have like a marketplace. So brands that are aligned with yours, it, that you'll you'll basically get exposure to them and, and vice versa. So I think that like that's, that's also an ingenious way to help almost affiliate, but a little bit of a, a partnership. And then also, yeah, we mentioned Spikeball. Spikeball did a really cool, or maybe it's Crossnet, did a cool partnership with PoolSuite when PoolSuite was selling sunscreen. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Like, yeah, the, those two definitely go together and, and kind of like sharing audiences. Better. I like it. Yeah. So then what what would be next? I saw on your website, you say like Sports Illustrated, soon to be featured in Sports Illustrated, ESPN, 
pick a ball. I don't know if that was kind of like tongue in cheek or, or if those are lined up, but I, I've definitely seen spike ball on ESPN, which I thought was really cool and, and entertaining. Is that part of the plan? Yeah, I mean, we are in full-on marketing mode right now. And, you know, we've had early conversations with a number of folks at those organizations, as well as some of the bigger retailers. And uh, so, we're, you know, Scott and I are about to do a little roadshow flying around the country, meeting with, you know, some of those folks and both on the retail side as well as publications. So the early interest has been significant. I mean, in, in products that I've been involved with, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, we're, we're pre-launch and we're already having some pretty high-level conversations and advanced conversations with some of the biggest, you know, players that we would want to be working with. And so, you know, it's just encouraging early on to get those little wins, even if it's just a meeting, you know, and so we'll take it, but you know, that, that, so yeah, there's, there's a lot coming down the pipe right now that you'll be hearing about soon. Yeah, we, we definitely will. I, I definitely see some big success here. Where can we learn more? Yeah. Paddlesmash.com is the best way to learn. We've, we're on all the social channels as well. So it's a good place to go and follow us and you can hear the latest news and any cool announcements. So all of those, I think you do a quick search of Paddle Smash and you'll find us. But paddlesmash.com is the best way to see us. Our email is email at paddlesmash.com. If you have any opportunities to partner up or suggestions or interest in anything, we'd be happy to answer those emails. It's a small team. Tim and I, so we are eager and happy to look for partnerships. So yeah, that's the best way to find us right now. We're pre-order now, but launching soon, looking at mid-September launch for, for the, the game. So cool. Scott and Tim, thank you so much for sharing this. It was nice to be here. Thank you. Thanks. And that's the episode for today. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We love you for it. If you found anything valuable at all or want to share your feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just drop us a line, hello at cartoverflow.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions so we can cover it in a future episode. All right, see you next time.